Greetings to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another special edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas. This time I'm re-releasing another important interview that originally aired in 2014, five years ago. With Jeffrey Epstein being the tip of the iceberg of a global network of satanic pedophiles, I'm re-releasing interviews that perhaps many did not pay attention to before. But all of a sudden, there is so much interest for this information that most are finally realizing this is no longer conspiracy theory, but conspiracy fact. It's important to mention that one of our guests and the person who saved Kathy O'Brien's life by rescuing her, Mark Phillips, passed away on September the 6th, 2017. From Kathy O'Brien's words, Mark dedicated his life and ultimately his vast knowledge of intelligence, level mind sciences, to the reclamation and preservation of free thought. His noble purpose leaves me free to carry on his legacy as a shining example of the positive impact he made on and for the lives of so many in this world. Love lives on in the light of truth. Thank you, Mark, for the greatest gift anyone can give, a good and lasting memory. Kathy O'Brien Phillips. And before we revisit this interview, let me add something that you need to know. First, a big thanks to Alexandra Bruce, one of our listeners, for referring me to the following information. You may have seen two paintings that were found in Jeffrey Epstein's Manhattan mansion. One is of President Bill Clinton wearing a blue dress. The other is of President George W. Bush sitting on the floor, playing with paper planes and falling Jenga blocks. Listen carefully. A Bodell, B-O-D-E-L, I believe that's how you pronounce it, is usually a young Israeli, often a student, engaged as a gopher by the Mossad after a thorough check and confirmation of his Jewish parentage and background. His job is to run errands and perform chores for the Mossad agents when required. He is prohibited from asking any questions and is only given any necessary information on a need-to-know basis. In return, he is allowed to live without paying any rent in a Mossad safe house. The Bodell is not allowed to bring friends into the safe house, and when visiting agents move in, he has to move out. However, he can be retained to do the shopping, cleaning, and laundry. Epstein worked for Mossad. Monica Lewinsky was his Bodell. When Bill Clinton was POTUS, USIC was actively looking for an Israel spy in the White House. Lewinsky was the spy. Epstein got her in. This painting is a trophy of what he viewed as his biggest operational win. And regarding Bush's painting, this is another painting or trophy from Jeffrey Epstein's collection. Two paper airplanes and fallen Jenga blocks. Does that remind you of anything? Yes, again, another trophy for the next big operational win. It's alleged to represent Dubia's complicity in 9-11. And by the way, for those who don't know, Dubia is a nickname for the 43rd president of the United States, George W. Bush. It's based on that middle initial W, used to differentiate him from his equally, quote-unquote, presidential father of the same name. I am told his father, President George Herbert Walker Bush, and Senator John McCain were both put to death after a military tribunal found them guilty of multiple charges. 
part of the agreement was that if they pleaded guilty to all the charges, they would keep their dignity and legacy, which they did. There will be more to come. Also expect a public trial with John Brennan. And that's all I was told for now. But more on that on a future installment. It is up to you what you do with this information. As of right now, Epstein's death has been ruled a suicide by hanging. I still believe that as much as I believe Osama bin Laden was buried in the Arabian Sea. Enough of this introduction. Let's revisit this important interview with Kathy O'Brien and the late Mark Phillips. And to listen to the full interview, you know what to do. Go to veritasradio.com and subscribe. You'll receive your login immediately. Thank you. And you all know that one of our mottos on this program we call Veritas, which as you know means truth in Latin, is that the truth will set us free. Tonight's interview will send shivers down your spine, especially if you still believe in the illusion of government, of the two-party system, and the notion that your government representatives have your best interest at heart. We have two very special guests tonight. We have a survivor of CIA MK Ultra mind control victimization via Project Monarch, and what she experienced behind the scenes as a White House and Pentagon mind control slave. Also, we have the person who is responsible for essentially saving Kathy's life and her daughter Kelly. Usually I read a bio for each person, but I would rather have them both introduce themselves and give us some background. We have authored two books, Transformation of America, The True Life Story of a CIA Mind Control Slave, and Access Denied for Reasons of National Security. I would like to welcome Kathy O'Brien and Mark Phillips. Welcome to Veritas. It's a pleasure to be speaking with both of you, Kathy and Mark. It's our pleasure as well. Thank you. Thank you. Well, why don't we start from the beginning? I received your two books a few weeks ago, and I've heard about your story many, many years ago. But it wasn't until recently that we finally converged and we scheduled this interview. So I hope that we can accomplish something. We can tell everybody who listens to us the truth about what you went through. What you went through. This is not science fiction. This is not speculation. This is something that continues to happen to this day. It has been happening for decades. And I suspect that since 1947, since the establishment of the CIA, this has been happening. And I also suspect that when Project Paperclip came along, this reinforced all of this. Why don't we start with you, Kathy? Tell us a little bit about you and what you went through, and then we will proceed with Mark. By the way, I know, Mark, that you went through an oral procedure, so you may not be as active as in other interviews, so I appreciate your presence here today. I hope I can contribute something that will help a listener understand what they're hearing. Great. Kathy? Well, I'm I'm extremely fortunate to have survived the CIA MK Ultra mind control victimization that um, that I endured uh, throughout my life. I was um, born into a multi-generational incest-based family, and that made me a prime candidate for mind control. And this was back in 1957, and the government at that time was taking the Hitler-Himmler research on mind control and um, 
creating a, a stronger formula that they were bringing into the United States. And as you mentioned on Project Paperclip, it brought in the Nazi and fascist scientists. And so they took that information from them and they realized that children like myself who were sexually abused would be prime candidates for mind control. That thrust me into um, the mind control project. I was raised in it throughout my my whole um, life, my young life, and um, went on to work a White House Pentagon level. It gave me a lot of insight into government operations, and I was extremely fortunate to have survived that when Mark Phillips, who um, saw what was happening to my daughter and I, was able to take us from that situation and um, take us to safety where I was able to recover my mind and memory. I'm extremely fortunate to have survived, and I'm especially fortunate to have healed because these days people are beginning to realize the reality and the magnitude of mind control in our society. It is a sliding scale from the kind of robotic mind control that I experienced to um, really even information control that everybody's experiencing through our controlled medias. Our military is coming home PTSD'd and, and seeking to regain control over their minds and lives, and mind control being used as a top-secret weapon system and used on our military makes it extremely pervasive, not only um, on a government level and on a military level and intelligence level, but it's beginning to affect all levels of society. So this is a time, I think, now that people need some solutions. And because Mark handed those solutions to me and I was able to heal, I look forward to uh, sharing the, the methods that he, that he taught me for healing. And um, he taught me early on, too, to voice no negative without a solution. So for as horrific as the information is on mind control, we're definitely going to be talking about solutions too. Certainly, certainly. And I like to go in chronological order. And as you mentioned, you came from a family where there was a multi-generation, you know, incest, uh, pedophilia, and so on. Can you take us back in time as to how it happened and how your own father, when he was discovered to be conducting all these degenerate practices, he essentially sold you to our own government. Yes, he did. At the time that uh, the CIA was interested in perpetuating mind control and bringing it into um, the next level of, of control of the individual, but a society as a whole, the local politician in our area at that time was uh, Gerald Ford. And this is the same Gerald Ford that went on to become U.S. president. The unelected, unelected, unelected yes. Yes, unelected president. And um, my father was caught sending pornography, pornography of me through the U.S. mails when I was just a, a, a young child. And instead of being prosecuted for being caught with that child pornography, he was offered immunity from prosecution if he would agree to sell me into MK Ultra Mind Control. And he did. He was, he was pleased to think that the government condoned child abuse and went on to have um, more kids to raise in the project as well. So there are seven of us kids in all. 
but I was the one that um, was conditioned from uh, early childhood and um, and programmed on various NASA and military installations um, to be used on the level that I was because as Ford's political career escalated, so too did my victimization and mind control. How can you still be so sane and so eloquent in sharing all these stories? Because after reading all of what you went through, but just one or those two stories will be enough to send somebody over the proverbial cliff. How do you become, how do you become so sane afterwards? It it absolutely did send me over the proverbial cliff. I suffered from uh, what is now termed dissociative identity disorder. It was formally termed multiple personality disorder. And multiple personality disorder is not a proper um, terminology. It's a misnomer because I didn't have numerous personalities. I had one personality that was just totally shattered and compartmentalized. And this dissociative identity disorder is, um, it makes for... Um, Fragmentation. It does, and, and easy, and heightened suggestibility for mind control purposes. So when it was known that I had been sexually abused from birth and that I was used in child pornography um, as well, then I would be a prime candidate for it. Because what happens is it's like the the conscious mind com- automatically compartmentalizes abuse so the rest of the mind can function normally. It's a function of our brain that automatically goes into um, action whether we deem it um abuse or not. I mean, as an as a infant, I certainly couldn't think to know that what my father was doing was wrong, and I couldn't make any judgment on that. However, that did have a um, enough of an effect on my brain for my brain to respond and compartmentalize that memory and repress it. And that um, eventually erodes away conscious thought, because on a subconscious level, there's no ability to reason or consciously comprehend. There's no concept of time. There's um, um, a suggestibility level that's so heightened that when, um, that a person will do exactly what they're told to do. And as my conscious mind was being fragmented further and further, my subconscious mind was left wide open to be um, easily led, eventually programmed to carry out various government operations. And that um, very clean formula for mind control is once it's understood and having learned the ins and outs of my own brain and mind through what Mark taught me and writing out memory, I was able to apply those healing techniques and actually heal from the the incomprehensible tortures and trauma of my existence under my control and um, do it in a very uh, precise way. And once I was, once I remembered all the things that I was supposed to forget, I was able to then choose to move forward in my life in a positive way. And since the 1947 National Security Act has been invoked on our case. Then 
Um, there's no court justice, you know, and I have found that a judge banging a gavel was not going to be justice for what I experienced. What I witnessed that the government was doing to the whole population and what the global plan was for using mind control, having witnessed all that was, was so horrific that the only thing that could possibly be a justice for that is to be able to raise awareness and bring this information to light not only on mind control because knowledge is our only defense against mind control, but for the healing methods as well. And as people are applying to themselves those healing methods that Mark taught me, which are detailed in our, our book, Access Denied for Reasons of National Security, we're hearing from people all over the world who are healing with that information and reclaiming control over their minds and their lives. That is an ultimate justice. It's turning the whole negative of my past into a positive that's affecting others for generations to come. And that is a very strong reason for me to be um, sane and happy celebrating every day that I am free to speak out and um, expose this criminal activity that's going on right in, right in plain sight. You know, remember back in 1982, the news of uh, Johnny Gosh, who was abducted while doing his Sunday morning paper route. Well, of course, his mother thought he was dead, but over a decade later, he showed up with two of his handlers, knocked on the door, and the mother opened the door, and she could not believe what she saw, but he just came to say, Mom, I'm okay, I'm okay, and he just went back to the car and left. But essentially, once you are mind-controlled, which was used to be a term that you couldn't use, and I think the two of you have put this term back on the radar, uh, back then people would think that was just a science fiction term. But once you are mind-controlled, you are basically programmed to do as they wish. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. But mind-controlled, you know, as you may or may not know, has been around since the dawn of man. Uh, the formula. Yes. Trauma-based mind control had been found uh, in caves and pictorials that are thousands of years old, and they are precisely correct on exactly what the formula is. The Egyptian Book of the Dead even outlines that's right uh, mind control. But uh, in 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 the in the cases nowadays, and that's one of the reasons that I got involved with Kathy is because they were using trauma-based mind control on her. And that is uh, just, uh, it was so far away from a reality for me, I had a great difficulty in understanding how these individuals were, were even operating um, as heads of state and uh, heads of uh, government, um, because that is insane. Uh, the fact remains is mind control can be can be done quite benevolently, if you want to call it that. Uh, and absolute mind control can be done that same way. Um, and it's it's done through technologies, uh, technologies that that have been around since, well, since the '60s. That's as far back as I could go. But um, in, in Kathy's case, they had been using trauma-based mind control. Now her daughter was a different story. They were using um, they were using technology as well as trauma on her, uh, which I think conflicted a great deal. But nevertheless, um, uh, it, when I first heard about it, um, 
you've got to understand that I worked in that arena uh, for most of my working career life uh, for the intelligence community. And what I saw and uh, and and witnessed, um, uh, the scientists and and, I, and myself all agreed that by the year 2000 we will have just about emptied out our prisons and and uh, emptied out most of our our uh, 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 criminally insane um, uh, institutions, uh, I should say, for the criminally insane. And that's not the case. Then they privatized prisons against our Constitution, and now the judges are just filling them up with victimless crimes uh, that have been committed by people. Um, the, the fact is, uh, mind control in, in these days is, as Kathy said, a sliding scale from all the way from information control to, to um, uh, uh, a robotic type of mind control that can be accomplished in a number of ways, and including, of course, trauma. But uh, the, the Johnny Gosh uh, uh, story was, was extraordinarily tragic, and it, it happens. I mean, that, that one received some, some press, but it happens all of the time. It's not an isolated case. Most times people are too afraid to speak up. In my in my situation, um, I had a number of friends in Washington, uh, a number of uh, members of Congress, both houses. Uh, and these people were my friends, and um, they were those were the good and decent ones. I unfortunately didn't realize there were so many bad ones. Uh, but nevertheless, they were very helpful in in uh, helping me stay alive long enough to uh, help Kathy. But uh, in the beginning, I I wasn't that uh, excited about getting involved with uh, somebody who had been tortured out of their mind. But uh, when I found out that nobody else was going to help them and that there were only a handful of doctors around the world that were actually doing research, and they had to use the words behavioral modification, not mind control, um, it was really tough. Uh, and and it, what was really sad was there's so many thousands and thousands of people. Of course, nowadays, when I testified, um, and my testimony was given to Congress, both houses, uh, I testified that by uh, the year 1995, that, uh, no, I didn't, it wasn't 95, it was the year 2000. I testified that by the year 2000, um, my control... Uh, will be the greatest weapon of, of mass destruction this world has ever known. And guess what? We've got people all over the place blowing themselves up. Um, now, why would any person blow themselves up on a, on a vague and hollow promise of uh, whether it be 72 virgins or whatever? Right. Why would anybody do that knowingly and willingly uh, when they didn't have a history of insanity? They had just been traumatized and lived in a war theater all their lives and uh, frankly they wanted out and that looked like an easy way out and a great reward and they would be heroes their their loved ones would receive uh, uh, money uh, because they do pay the suicide uh, uh, bombers families uh, uh, a, uh, a nice chunk of change and uh, of course they, they all felt like they were just accepting money for their child uh, who was a martyr so, uh, yes, mind control now, as I predicted, would become the the number one weapon of mass destruction, and it is. Because it's used so strongly and used in the military, 
um, on our military and by the military, it is still um, is still um, under national security, and that's why the National Security Act has been invoked on our case. And when it was invoked on our case in open court, that gave us the the right to continue speaking out on it, and we would never see um, conventional justice. But as I said, the best justice is positive change through public awareness, and it certainly is happening. And Mark, your vocation has been primarily, correct me if I'm wrong, but has been primarily in the advertising field, which, you know, you also worked with the Department of Defense. So this made you a subliminal persuasion expert. This reminds me of uh, Edward Bernays, the father of modern propaganda. Is this one of the reasons why you converged with Kathy? Well, it was an odd thing. Um, not particularly a reason. <clears throat> Excuse me. It wasn't particularly the reason. Um, how I, I converged with Kathy was I, uh, an old childhood friend, uh, he read about my uh, promotions in the Nashville, Tennessee paper. Um, and over the years, he kept seeing my name show up in the business section. Uh, and the, 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 the reason um, he, he wanted to contact me is he had a friend, this Alex Houston character, who was Kathy's handler. Um, that wanted to start up a legitimate business with the Chinese manufacturing capacitor systems. Capacitor systems were used to help the Chinese to have to, they, they were having to stop production just, I mean, instantly when they ran out of uh, uh, power allotment. Right. And uh, it was uh, a situation that, that the Chinese had to remedy, and one of the ways they could remedy it would be to stop that power surge when they went back online. And uh, uh, that's what, well, I mean, these were gigantic capacitor systems. And uh, I welcomed the opportunity uh, to, to do this, and I went over to China. I, I, I uh, worked with a gentleman who owned a ship line who was uh, tight with a Chinese military. He was actually Korean and lived in Hong Kong back when it was not a part of China. Uh, at any rate, uh, he and I uh, formulated uh, with some scientists over here in this country exactly what we would need to do to put the factory together to produce these things. And uh, it was all a blazing success. Uh, went around, uh, the Chinese ha have it in their constitution, they have to manufacture and sell uh, no less than exactly what they buy uh, uh, offshore. So um, that's in their constitution. They can't get in the kind of trouble we're in. Uh, nevertheless, the, the, the Chinese were, were very kind, and, and they worked with me. Uh, I was very happy with them. Uh, the only thing was they weren't happy with, with the idea that Alex Houston was involved. And when I found out, uh, a Chinese intelligence officer at the ribbon cutting ceremony for our factory, um, he, he presented some photographic evidence. Um, first of all, he began showing stuff on me that was highly classified. And I thought, oh boy, this is a cheesy takeover that they're doing. They're just simply wanting to strip me of my stock and kick me out the door. And that was not the case at all. They just wanted Alex Houston out of the picture because what he was doing, uh, according to the Chinese, they said, 
what Alex Houston does is punishable by death. Uh, every one of the things is, uh, is involved child and adult prostitution. He said, that is a death sentence here. And his uh, uh, involvement in uh, drug running and money laundering, those are death sentences here in China. He said he's got multiple ones. I could go on. The guy said he could go on forever. But what was he involved in that deal? Uh, what? Who? Alex Houston. What was he involved in this deal with you and, and, and the oh, trainers? Alec, it was Alex Houston's uh, idea oh. uh, to, to put this company together, and he had no idea whatsoever how to do it. And he certainly didn't have the contacts with the Department of State that it would require in order for us to go over there and have a joint venture corporation. Um, but I did. So that was why I was brought into the picture. And I told him at the time, I said, the only way I'll become involved with this company is if I am in control and, and, and I'm president. Uh, I said, because if, if, if I can't, if we can't do that from the get go, I'm out. Uh, he said, that's fine. That's fine. So, uh, uh, the Chinese actually provided me the money to buy him out, to buy him out. And, uh, we bought him out. And that was when, um, I, I saw his, his, uh, uh, his wife or whatever, the, the woman he was in charge of and her daughter, uh, the same ones that the Chinese had told me were under my control. And they were being used as sex slaves and money laundering, uh, uh slaves. Uh, and milling stuff all over the world, working with drug lords and this sort of thing. And I'm thinking, good Lord. And the guy told me, he said, and it goes all the way to the White House. Uh, you know, that, when I got home, first thing I did was uh, call someone with the Department of State in Washington and tell them there has been a humongous security breach. And I do not want any part of it. I want it fixed. And I, I proceeded to tell this person everything that I had encountered. I kept really good notes. And uh, he said, I'll, we'll be getting back with you. He called me back the next day. Somebody did. It wasn't him. But somebody did. And they said, what what you discussed yesterday um, didn't happen. Forget it. Walk away from it. It did not happen. Uh, I said, uh, listen, uh, I don't know who you are. But I'm not going to stop. You might as well go ahead and kill me because I'm not going to stop. This is ridiculous. You don't cover up a pedophile uh, for a pedophile and, and some idiot that's uh, bringing drugs into this country. I said, you don't do that. And he said, you at best just forget it. And he hung up the phone. So you had uh, no idea this was happening at a larger scale? No, I had no idea. I mean, I, I worked... I worked Intel in, in, uh, mine sciences, um, not exclusively, but most of my career was involved with mine sciences. And we were working with apes at, uh, Yerkes Primate Centers in Colorado and also on the, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. We, and, and I even worked with the CDC. You were all, all of them based right there on, uh, Emory University's campus. But um, the the stuff that I saw was all totally benevolent. I mean, they didn't hurt the animals. They didn't shock them. They didn't give them uh, mind-altering drugs like LSD and stuff like that. I knew that went on uh, out on the West Coast, but I had never seen it and never been a part of it. And the scientists I worked with, yes, some of them were brought over on Project Paperclip. Um, 
but nevertheless, they they were scientists. They weren't even remotely interested in in uh, developing anything uh, for mass mind control or or for torture reasons. Uh, you can't torture information, by the way, out of anyone. They will tell you whatever they think you want to hear. And having uh, Cheney sit up there and say we use we use this method to uh, waterboarding aspect. We we use this just to extract information. There's no other way to get it. Uh, hello, uh, it's been determined for five or six decades that you cannot torture someone and get valid information out of them. That's right. So um, the whole thing just. I found it extraordinarily disturbing because everything that I thought I knew, I didn't. Uh, I think there was a, a recording group out of Germany that did a song called Everything You Think You Know You Don't. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, really, Interesting. I really believe that's true um, in my particular case because I hadn't, I hadn't witnessed anything like this. And, and child pornography, no, I'd never even seen it. Um, uh, I, I had seen on one occasion, uh, I was given an invitation to attend a, uh, an induction party for the Knights of Malta, and that was the first time I had ever seen, uh, a situation where I'm, I'm, I'm alleging, uh, where I'm alleging is that, uh, there was, uh, a child and adult, uh, pornography being Made and uh, children were being used as sex slaves there for a very select small group of those people that were at that party in Rome. But uh, I, that was the only thing I'd ever seen. And I thought, well, these guys, it's, first of all, they're not government people. Uh, and secondly, you know, it was a small group. So I didn't know it was this pervasive and it was worldwide. I had no idea. But, so uh, I, I then, then how how did you rescue Kathy and Kelly? Well, um, briefly, uh, the mind works very much like a computer. If you know the password, you can get you can get in. And um, there, there are ways to hack a computer, and there are ways to to hack the human mind. Matter of fact, you got a book on it, but the uh, it's called uh, Mind Hackers. But nevertheless, uh, once I knew the codes, keys, or triggers that Kathy had installed in her, probably from when the time she was a teenager or less, um, mo- most children that are uh, successes for for programming to the degree Kathy was were abused before their brain was ent- uh, was entirely formed before age five or six, and uh, and that was the case of uh, of Kathy. The, uh, the, uh, whoop, I'm tripping over my own words here with this doof. Um, the, the examples that I've given you, uh, about the differences between trauma based and, and, uh, other forms of mind control, um, are, uh, things that I knew about, but I didn't know. Uh, I mean, yes, I'd read the book about trauma based mind control and I understood how it worked. And I had read volumes on, on what the U.S. had done before World War II. Um, and there was particularly a, a psychiatrist by the name of Skinner, who was real proud to have his daughter going into a, a locked casket-type box uh, 
for all sensory deprivation and uh, what he proved he could do with his daughter's mind and increase her her vocabulary and uh, she's a little bitty thing. Yeah, B.F. Skinner. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, this was this was in the 20s, for Pete's sakes. Uh, so it's been going on a long, long time. Yes, when when uh, the U.S. won, supposedly won uh, the war in World War II, there's no such thing, but nevertheless, when they brought those guys over on their Project Paperclip, they did it on uh, uh, many airlines. But um, I happened to be offered a position as vice president uh, of marketing. I mean, it's a legitimate job with Capital International Airways. They were the world's largest supplemental for a long time. Sounds like CIA. Exactly. (laughs) You figured those initials out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and guess what year they were formed in? 1947? Boy, you're you're psychic. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. Too many coincidences. Yeah, yeah. Too many coincidences make a reality. And uh, the truth of the matter was, I did not. When I talked to the lady that uh, worked for the Washington Post that that, uh, uh, wrote the first book on Project Paperclip, she she said, I I have a feeling you never knew what you were involved with. I said, no, I didn't. And I should have known because there were some very suspicious things going on. But I didn't. Um, the fact remains, I'm not stupid. It's just that uh, every everything is so compartmentalized within the intelligence community, and you go asking questions, you're going to wind up very dead. So um, as a routine, I didn't answer questions, and I didn't ask questions. And if somebody were to start asking the wrong kind of questions, um, I turn them in. Uh, and, and because usually they were there to test me. Uh, is what I, I later found out. But uh, the fact remains is it, it didn't matter whether they test me or not. Of course, each time they tested me and I, I proved uh, that my allegiance was keep my mouth shut, I usually got a promotion. Uh, but nevertheless. The, 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 yeah, the criminals I were around operated on the philosophy that um, secret knowledge equals power. And also, they believed that good people wouldn't think to look for the kind of criminal activity that they were involved in. Good people like Mark Phillips weren't looking to see somebody using it for the unthinkable, you know, uh, just just horrific things that were beyond his even scope of of thinking. So while he's working towards good, he's being exposed to all this information. And how fortunate for me that the government never counted on a good man like Mark Phillips getting hold of that information and using it for good, using it to heal a mind rather than control one. Like, we don't think like they do, but they don't think like we do. And that is where they made their mistake. That's how Mark and I have survived all these years is um, they underestimated uh, what what someone like Mark could do to use that information for helping people instead of controlling people like they think that needs to be done. Well, I guess you were just being a patron. You you knew what secrets to keep because it was for the benefit of the country. At the same time, you thought you were doing good, and all these things that you discovered later, you had no idea they were so pervasive. But going back to Kathy now, after your father literally sold you to MKUltra, to the CIA, how do you remember at such a young age all the things that you went through? 
the mind photographically records events surrounding trauma. That's a part of our brain. That's a part of our brain function that's an automatic. And so my brain was photographically recording um, events surrounding, surrounding the trauma. So when I wrote out my memory, when I deprogrammed, um, when I remembered the things I wasn't supposed to forget, I remembered them in photographic detail, the way my brain photographically recorded those events. So it, it gives pinpoint accurate detail and um, so much so that every, um, every word in Transformation of America um, has been validated and proven, which is why the National Security Act is, is on that testimony. That was compiled from our testimony to the U.S. Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence Oversight. So it's very accurate in detail because of the way the brain works. This information on the brain is pertinent for people to have. We should be able to understand our own brain function, our own mind function, and the interrelation to our bodies and how it all works. But all that information was suppressed for reasons of national security through um, the American Psychiatric Association, Dr. Ewan Cameron. He was a founder, and by the way, he was, so far, he was is the only uh, psychiatrist that has been caught working for the CIA and torturing people and in, in institutions. Uh, of course, he was doing it in Canada, but he was our first um, head of the American Psychiatric Association. Because, I mean, that APA is not just for American doctors, it's for doctors all over the world. Um, uh, psychiatry is the youngest of all the healing arts. However, um, they only have one organ that that goes that's uh, traded around amongst them, and uh, the various physicians contribute uh, their papers to this uh, to this. I guess you'd call it a magazine that's published once a month. Um, but it's all being filtered by the CIA, and it still is to this very day. And yes, this, again, secret knowledge equals power. So the information has been suppressed from mental health. It's been suppressed from helping our military reclaim their minds and lives. That's absurd. That is absolutely intolerable. And it, it's a uh, huge motive for Mark and I to continue speaking out until um, people have the, the facts on this mind-brain um, function. Um, we recently just returned from uh, Germany, as a matter of fact, where we were teaching leading mental health professionals there about the healing methods for mind control. Of course, Germany knows well about mind control, and they're at a point where they're wanting to have this information on healing from it out there. So um, it's very important that people understand how our our brains work. The information that um, the CIA had gleaned from the Hitler-Himmler research was pertinent, but they also took information that the Catholics had learned through the Spanish Inquisition and um, the, the torturous methods that they were involved in back in the Crusades, you know, back in the earliest of days. Sure. The Catholic Church was heavily involved in mind control. And when my father was approached to sell me into MK Ultra mind control, and he so eagerly and readily did. He was immediately flown to Boston, Massachusetts, where he <laughs> was taught how to 
manipulate the subconscious mind using literals and um, how how to handle someone, a child like me, who is highly suggestible, so that I could be groomed and readied for uh, the project. And, of course, Boston is... Yeah, the Archdiocese of that area is the epicenter of all this. Yes, sir. Uh, it That's sure true. is. And we released that information in 1990. Hmm. So, uh, you know, it's... Uh, and I might add, too, that our, our case has been thoroughly, uh, at least the part of it that is in trance, the book, uh, has been thoroughly investigated by federal authorities, uh, particularly uh, the supportive arm of of uh, uh, of the the U.S. Customs, and as a matter of fact, William von Robb resigned his position, and that's a cabinet position. He was appointed by Bush Senior, and he resigned it on national television. He said, "I've I've been um, uh, attempting to fight a war on drugs, and I'm finding that I'm uh, that it's in essence I'm paraphrasing that." That he said, we're, we're fighting ourselves. It's, it's a losing war before we even start. And there are many, many other things that, uh, this gov- uh, this, our government is involved in that is, uh, all classified. And if you do find out anything about it, you're not allowed to say anything. He said, so the best thing I'm going to do is just step down because I, it's against my principles to become involved in anything as nefarious as this is. And he did. He stepped down. But Von Rob is, uh, he was a close friend of a U.S. senator, I know, and even a closer friend to one of his employees who was head of, uh, all, uh, Asian operations. But, uh, geez, it, it, to me, um, Von Rob was one of the very few that had the audacity, uh, to use his position to hold a press conference and get away with saying, that our government is just rife with with uh, corruption. It was very healing for me to see good people coming forward um, in the course of my healing and in my deprogramming, and they were validating the information as fast as as we're as um, as I was deprogramming. And by disseminating that information and having it validated, it did keep us alive to reach this point and being able to still speak out, you know, it just, um, Mark understood how the, the government worked from having been an insider and we applied that knowledge and we were able to, um, survive to be able to speak out. And my motive was to help my daughter and to help so many others because my whole world was saturated in mind control. I thought everybody was involved in it. I didn't know there was anything different. I thought everybody was sexually abused. I thought everybody was torturous. I thought that is the way humanity was right up until Mark rescued me um, in 1988 and I began to gain conscious thought and to be able to see around me that that indeed it was a slow process, but indeed good people do um do live in this world, and that that was um, phenomenal in itself. It's good to know that all the Catholic abuse that I saw, all the children that were so horrifically abused, the blood traumas, the occult rituals that went on in the church for the purposes of controlling minds, that all of that has been able, we've been able to get the healing information out there enough to where even in the middle of the Catholic child abuse scandal that came to light, 
they took that healing information and it continues to reverberate through um, the victims of Catholic child abuse so that they too can uh, reclaim their minds and lives. But, but you see, if you told somebody in the mid-90s uh, or 80s about the the Vatican or the church being involved <laughs> in this, they would not believe oh, you. Man. So every year that goes by, people read your book, and more and more it becomes clear and more clear. Now, the Jesuits, did they have any com- were they complicit in all of this? Absolutely, 100% totally complicit in it. And they were working in conjunction with the CIA to create a more powerful form of mind control. When they took the information um, of what the Catholics knew and what the CIA got from the Hitler-Himmler research combined with technology, they put that into uh, the Mormon church, and that was being used as a very powerful form of mind control there. At, as I was um, being brought up in the MK Ultra Mind Control Project at such a young age in Michigan, the governor of Michigan at that time was George Romney, and he was um, Mitt Romney's um, father. Yes. yes, yes, it was his father, and I, I remember seeing him even as a, a a young child up there too, and being very, very robotic. But uh, nevertheless, um, George Romney was involved in bringing the with the, this information into the Mormon Church real strong. So there's the connection into that bridge and how that came about. It was also being brought into the school system, and Michigan was the first state in the United States to um, have the uh, mind control being brought in through global education into the school systems and Romney was was key on that. Being exposed to all that as a young child and seeing that kind of pervasiveness of mind control, it's easy to see how it it seemed to me that indeed the whole world was involved in it, and that's the way life was. I wasn't able to um, think for myself for, for long after... Um, my father sold me into the project. I lost more and more of my ability for conscious thought as I was subjected to more traumas and I lost um, my free thought to um, to mind control and was being led around by my subconscious mind. As that was happening, I lost my ability to reason and to think anything through and to realize that there could even be goodness. I, I had no hope. I had no ability to think that there was anything beyond the existence that I was being raised in. How long did you? How long did it take for you to trust Mark? Um, that's a, a beautiful story in itself because it's the, a good, very good question. <laughs> it is a very good question. I, I couldn't think to trust Mark at all. Instead, what happens when the subconscious mind takes, um, when the conscious mind takes flight and the subconscious mind is left to operate, it's like the senses become heightened, much the way that um, a blind person will develop heightened hearing. I developed heightened senses, heightened intuition, um, and could have a, a communication and an understanding above and beyond words. Um, telepathy is a word that that can be brought into that, or um, intuition. I suppose that they use the word psychic. There are so many words that can be applied to these abilities that we all innately have inside ourselves. That um, that 
were heightened in me because of my experiences. Um, the government definitely did studies on that. Uh, there's a lot of people who become superstitious and, and, and draw conclusions because superstition begins where knowledge leaves off. And since the knowledge on this brain function is being suppressed, then people are left to their superstitions and they don't really understand what this heightened intuition is. But nevertheless, people who are horrifically abused usually end up working with animals. They might be working veterinary medicine or something because they have a rapport with um, animals due to this heightened, um, this heightened sense. Well, when people, it was my experience that the people who abuse children also abused animals. They have no regard for life at all. I, so had, a, I had quite a, a yard full. <laughs> that kind of abuse went on. Well, Mark had animals. He had a, um, he had raccoons and fox and he had a whole bunch of animals and all these animals trusted him. And that was very unique for me to see an animal trusting someone because they were all so horribly abused by the people that I knew that they didn't trust him at all. And yet I saw these animals trusting Mark. And I sensed that if they could trust Mark, I could trust Mark. Something was very different. I had no understanding of how Mark could be so vastly different from everybody else. You know, I suppose that superstitiously I would have thought he was um, a god or an angel or um, even an alien, you know, just something yeah. other than... Uh, human because it was so beyond my realm of experience but the animal showed me the path to being able to trust and once I learned to trust Mark he was able to then hand me the tools to begin the healing process of remembering the things that I'd been programmed to forget the things that I was exposed to on a White House Pentagon level the things that I was exposed to through the people that you know, you look at Gerald Ford's cabinet, and he had uh, Bush Sr. as the head of the CIA. Dick yeah. Cheney as his secretary of, of state. He had Donald Rumsfeld as secretary of defense. He had the same handful of criminals that have been in office for uh, through many, many administrations. And it was because of that handful of people and having worked under Dick Cheney in the Pentagon and all that... Um, my uh, victimization expanded those directions and uh, in, in, in being exposed to those same people and witnessing the criminal activities that go on behind the scene in Washington, D.C. And, of course, all that information is detailed in our book, Transformation of America, and that testimony um, that was censored for reasons of national security from uh, from Congress. You know, I'm looking at the at one of the books, uh, Trans Transformation of America. I'm looking at the pictures here, and I'm kind of smiling because I'm looking at uh, Kathy during CIA cocaine operations with Jeff Merritt, St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands. I used to, I grew up in the Caribbean. I grew up a Catholic, 10 years, an altar boy. Nothing happened to me, luckily, because my father was very involved and he was watching all the time. But, uh, you know, that Jeep, I remember I used to rent those Jeeps all the time. Then in the early 1990s, I used to, in my last corporate incarnation, I was sent to Mexico during NAFTA to consult with companies, large Mexican companies and U.S. companies there to convince them that NAFTA was the way to go. And then I see you here 
in Cozumel, Mexico, prior to prostitution to pres President Miguel de la Madrid in 1986. And this is just an incredible story. Wow, that's that's amazing that that um, you had had those experiences through that. Yes, and the I Caribbean had Caribbean and Mexico during that same period of time because yes, um, um, but it was the years that I was being used heavily in the CIA cocaine operations, which was their mechanism for funding the black budget of putting in um, not only NAFTA. But also, you know, that I mean that was like the first step towards their new world order goal. Well, and then I remember arriving in Mexico. They were so happy in the United States because Carlos Salinas de Gortari was elected president. Finally, that's who they wanted, not de la, de la, la Madrid. And then, of course, you know what happened with the brother and so on. Yeah. But at the time, I was... Can we call it semi-brainwashed? Because I thought we were doing the right thing. Let's just remove all barriers. I mean, you mentioned this, Mark, how China does not have a deficit because they have in their constitution that they have to produce what they make and they cannot import more. We don't have that in the United States. And it's almost, I look back in retrospect, how NAFTA, how what's happening now in our borders, something's happening that was planned years before. And I don't mean to derail the conversation with all of this, but how is it that you all of a sudden became involved by, you know, being sent to all these world leaders to satisfy their sexual perversions? Um, that just happened through a, a, a through a, oh, geez, through a series of events and the kind of programming and the different operations that I was used in. Since I had been sexually abused as a child, my sexuality was enhanced and, and therefore I was used, um, in sexual prostitution to various government leaders. And with my daughter involved and her victimization, um, when I was running cocaine operations in and out of the Caribbean for the CIA, for example, um, having a child along, it looks like a simple mother and daughter, mm -hmm. you know, being in the Caribbean so people didn't look twice. Nobody was suspect. That it was actually, yeah, yeah, cocaine operations. When at the same time, um, as that went into prostitution, that was used for blackmail purposes to, to these government leaders for, um, um, keeping them in line so that they could never back out of the deals that the U.S. was setting up with. Like uh, Noriega. With yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like Noriega did. The scapegoat. Uh, well, he, he backed out. Uh, he didn't, he didn't play by the playbook. And, uh, as a result, you saw what happened to him. You know, I always wonder if Guantanamo is there for a reason beyond military. I've wondered that too, but I can assure you, I have no knowledge of anything. Um, not that I, I would tell you this. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, I absolutely know, um, uh, from my, uh, uh, perspective that it was not being used for, uh, any other things other than just what, uh, you know, it, it had a prison and it had a, a very small prison at that time. And it was just a strategic military, uh, base because of, uh, that we leased from Cuba, yeah. and that's really all I ever heard that was going on there. Now, uh, I knew of a lot of other places where uh, horrific stuff was happening, or had happened, but uh, I never heard anything about uh, 
Guantanamo. And that's odd, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And uh, I don't know why the Clintons and the Bushes keep coming to mind, because people think, well, Mel, we have the the two-party system. It's a great thing. We have the Democrats and the Republicans. But isn't this just an illusion for the electorate to think that they're going to, you know, uh, vote for somebody different? Who cares about the players if the game stays the same? Well, right. it, 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 what, what gets me is... People, um, on the average, are, are, are really intelligent enough to dis- have enough discernment to see these things that are right before their eyes. Of course, um, in the intelligence uh, business, we say, let's keep our secret right in front of them, because mm-hmm. that's the place they won't see. Um, and in the case of uh, uh, people we know, I mean, I know some highly intelligent physicians and doctors, they really believe that uh, there's a two-party system, and I, I can't believe they're that dumb. Um, but nevertheless, that's uh, it's been ingrained in them all their lives, and they're going to stick with it. It's an illusion of choice, but yeah. even, I think, equally as important or more important is the fact that we don't even have an election system to begin with. The elections are totally rigged. They always were. The outcome was always known. Nobody that I was exposed to, and my my owner in MK Ultra was U.S. Senator Robert C. Byrd. Now explain and, that. I don't mean to interrupt you. When you say I read that throughout the book, when you call him owner, what does that really mean? As a slave owner? Yes, and as an owner, he decided which operations I would be used in, um, and who I would be prostituted to, what um, like the CIA cocaine operations I was used in. The fact that he was interested in country music because he was a fiddle player thrust me into the country music industry as my means of traveling in and out of the Caribbean and all across the United States distributing um, cocaine for the CIA. So um, since he was interested in the country music industry, he put me into that. So as my owner, he decided which operations I would be used in and um, and how. How were you so, appointed to Senator Byrd? Um, Senator, Senator Byrd was in Mackinac Island, Michigan, mm-hmm. when I was um, a young child, just still being um, groomed into the project, and um, was associated with George Romney. And um, he, he knew Ford, but I think it was more Romney that was... Uh, predominant in um, that aspect. Throughout the book, I read the term, throughout the book, all the time, New World Order through mind manipulation of the masses. Can you explain that? Because if I if I understand correctly, every year we see more, you know, the, the, the transition from analog to digital. It seems that mind control with social networking and you see the new generation, they're connected to their phones. You remove their phones and their gadgets and they immediately become depressed. What is really the end game when it comes to mind control and mass manipulation of minds? You talking to me or Kathy? <laughs> either, either. Well, the the end game is, uh, 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 as a matter of fact, will be what it is now. Exactly. I mean, the end game is truth prevails, and um, and, and it stops because um, as truth comes to light, people become aware of mind control and and stop it. I think it's probably got as strong a hold on um, humanity as as it can have 
at this point in time. I think it has definitely um, achieved their goal in that regard. I'm not sure how the new world order could possibly continue to unfold because awareness has risen to the point where people are aware that um, not only do we not have a two-party system, but we have a constant illusion of change being paraded in front of us um, as leaders that we that the people now know that we're not even electing because the elections are rigged through electronic voting machines that you know you follow the money and it goes back to the the Bush Cheney bunch the same thing and um, so the, the whole illusion is beginning to fall apart when truth is brought to light the secrets that have gone on behind the scene are. Um, are being exposed, and as awareness rises, uh, positive change happens. So what their goal was, I, I don't think they're ever going to see it happen. Do you think this country died when Kennedy died? That is absolutely when um, they took over the strongest. Mm-hmm. Mark, do you have a um, input on that aspect? I, no. I, I think this country was on its deathbed. Um, as a, uh, uh, a highly decorated general who became President uh, Eisenhower, Eisenhower. Uh, I believe when he left office is when um, he even predicted exactly what was going to happen now, back then in the late 50s. Um, it was pretty much a done deal. Um, I talked to Margaret Truman one time. Uh, she's deceased now, but she told me that uh, her father only regretted one thing that he did, and he was, he, he they literally had conned him and lied to him uh, about this National Security Act. When he signed the National Security Act into law, that, at that point, in 1947, is when this country was lost forever, um, because uh, the government no longer had to uh, answer for its... Uh, for its mistakes and 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 even continuing them, uh, they can be covered up, and you can't ask. That uh, secrecy component is is huge, and also with a like with the Kennedy assassination, what gave them such a stronghold, this the shadow government um, coming out and and taking over right in front of everybody was that it was such a, a huge trauma to people, and as I was saying earlier, you know when. When um, trauma occurs, the conscious mind that can't deal with that trauma, can't deal with that, it takes flight. And when it takes flight, the subconscious mind is left, and it's wide open to being easily manipulated and easily led. Well, that traumatized the whole nation, and the whole nation at that time became easily led. The same thing happened with 911. When um, when 9/11 happened, that traumatized the nation, and a giant, you know, a, a stronger hold of control was taken over the population at that time as well. And Most ever people since, can tell you what they were wearing, yeah. or if they were eating breakfast, what they were having when they first saw uh, one of the towers implode, and uh, they, they, it's because of the trauma. I mean, it was an unbelievable trauma that they were witnessing, and it would, and it was, they were witnessing it live. And they can remember what they were eating, like Mike, like Mark was just saying, because um, of the way the brain photographically records events surrounding trauma. 
And ever since, and Mark, you're a media specialist, you can attest to this, but you can see how you turn on the news and you can be switching channels and they're repeating the same script over and over again. Journalism is dead. Somebody's writing the news for the masses. Oh, yeah, exactly true. Um, and that's with all medias. Um, Al Jazeera is fairly new on the scene, and uh, Al, Al Jazeera is is strongly censored in this country. Uh, they try their best to get stuff out um, uh, through other other means, but um, when we traveled Europe, uh, people ask us, they said, well, do you ever watch the news? Yeah, exactly. And I said, well, why? <laughs> um, I can usually get better information from uh, people who I know working in government, uh, whether it be here or offshore. Um, I, 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 get, I get my news from where it happens and, and who it happens to, because by the time that the medias are handed their scripts, um, they're all saying basically the same thing, and they'll have keywords um, for, for the, that particular event um, that carry on where you'll have one uh, news broadcaster use the same two words to describe something at least eight or ten times in a in a twenty minute uh, uh, presentation. Well, look what happened this morning. the The new seven Boeing seven seventy seven from Malaysian Airlines. Right. The, déjà vu anyone? This morning, the moment that happened, I said, "You watch." The narrative will be. This was done by the Russians, and this could unravel World War III. Why? Because by Monday, we were going to, supposedly Obama was going to start implementing new sanctions to Russia. Well, this could be a good way to blame them. But we go back in time to the First World War. One act, one act, the, the, the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand was who started it all. Yeah, yeah. So maybe this could be the one. But we have to take a one and only intermission. Mark and Kathy, folks, the two books, Access Denied for Reasons of National Security and Transformation of America. If you really, really want to see the truth, especially those of you who still think that the government has the best intentions at heart, you need to read what they both have gone through to see the reality. Because as we said at the beginning, the truth will set you free. Do you have a website? Do you have any other ways where people can support yeah, your, uh, your process? Um, Barnes & Noble is our primary uh, sales outlet. I don't mean Barnes & Noble. Amazon.com Amazon. 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 Yeah. Amazon is a primary. They're stocking in uh, all, all their warehouses all over the United States, both of our books, and they, they sell quite a few of them. Um, I might mention that we're very pleased... <laughs> We're still putting, um, still writing foreign publisher agreements. We don't charge um, uh, anyone, any of the publishers royalties. We just ask them for a one-time real small fee. Actually, just cover all the paperwork and everything else we're doing uh, to get them started. But um, our, our books are in 15 uh, languages and increasing every day. Uh, they're distributed in some 60-odd countries around the world. And we have never bought an ad, and I have never, uh, actually, Kathy has neither, we've never solicited ourselves, because that's against the, uh, the Whistleblowers Protection Act. If we hired a publicist or something like that to represent us, um, we would be in a great deal of trouble, and we would lose our ability to exercise our right to 
to to uh, speak without being censored. We so walk have... a very fine line as whistleblowers, and we're not able to um, um, speak beyond the realm of our experience. And that we do have a, a website. It's trance-formation.com. And people can certainly go there and um, and at least look into what we're doing a little bit further. But we do not have a blog. We're not able to get information out there the way that I would choose to if we weren't bound by law as whistleblowers. But well, uh, at least we can still speak out, and um, we'll do what it takes to be able to do that. I, I got a, I got a problem with the social medias because I know how those kind of things are used by the intelligence yeah. community. And um, I just really don't want to play into their hands. Uh, maybe you just call me old school or whatever. I don't care. I'm nope. just not going to get involved with that because I know what it's, what, how they use it. I agree with you. Years ago, 2008, 2009, I said, you watch Facebook, Google, and the rest, YouTube. It's all data mining by you-know-who. It's just social engineering. But And by the way, trans, folks, is written, it's written. It's, it's uh, spelled T-R-A-N-C-E, trans. Yes. At any rate, we have to take a one and only intermission. I'm here with Kathy O'Brien and Mark Phillips. So much more when we return. When we return, I want to name names. I want to show the highlights of some of the things you went through, Kathy. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first segment of this very important interview. To listen to the rest, go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. You will receive your login immediately. We'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and we'll be right back. Enjoy. Enjoy. 